Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. Welcome to Delusional Optimism. I'm your host, Seth Creekmore, and I'm here with Dr. B, and our guest is Jane Stevens. Jane, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Seth. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing wonderful. Uh, So we were just talking off air about how uh, you love to travel. If you could teleport yourself one place right now, where would you go? Bali, Indonesia. I love that place. I love that place. Yeah, I learned so much living with people there and the culture. And um, Mm. I had my first understanding of what it is to live in a way that is comforting people and helping Mm. people and not punishing. And yeah, it was pretty Mm. amazing. I really enjoyed it. There's, that sounds like there's so many stories in, in that statement alone. Wow. So would you be teleporting yourself into a specific location? Like, is there a restaurant or is there just some family house that you are really close to that you'd love to see again? Where in Bali would you teleport to? Um, I guess uh, Ubud, which is the cultural center of the island. Oh, okay. It's up in the hills and it is the art center. And it's just a very, I don't think I would have called it the reason I went there as a spiritual place, but as I've aged, mm. I, I understand more about spirituality mm. and and that's um, it's like another home. It's so strange when I landed there and took the ride in, you know, by the taxi to where I was staying. It was like I feel at home here, and I didn't speak oh. the language or anything. I just felt like this was wow. home. Wow, that's wow. amazing. Yeah, as, as some of our listeners know, I'm doing a bit of traveling myself, and I keep getting glimpses of like, "Ooh, this feels this feels homey," and it's it's such a strange feeling to have feel at home within your body, even though you're not home in a locality. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we have you on here because you are I, I don't know is the correct term like a founder of Paces? Is that is that correct? Yep, founder of Paces Connection. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Yes. Where did this come from? Like what inspired you to begin this journey of understanding ACEs and, and PACEs? I'm a health science and technology journalist. And a long time ago, I was doing a story about the epidemiology of violence. When the CDC mm. was first looking into it and labeling it as an epidemic. And um, that... Uh, I just kept being interested in that and doing reporting on it. But the thing that they weren't addressing then was why in a family one kid would shoot somebody or be shot and the other three didn't. The epidemiologist told me, well, it's because the other three escaped. And I thought, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. So when I learned about the ACE study in uh, 2004, it was published in 1998, I thought, oh, this makes sense. The other three didn't Mm. escape. You know, one may may have become an alcoholic, one might have become morbidly obese, one become Mm. a workaholic. Unless there's conscious resilience 
being built into a family. Just don't escape from the damage that was done to you when you're a kid. Was that that story of investigating the violence and all that other stuff, was that something that you found interest in or was that something you were assigned? How did that all come about? I was lucky enough then to be able to (laughs) self-assign. And I think it's probably my own background of a very dysfunctional childhood that uh, got me interested in that. I Well, you have to remember in the early 80s, people just thought that, you know, if there was violence in the family, that it just happened. And they didn't really uh, look at homicide and suicide in a comprehensive way until then. And they, they were just looking at causes of death rather than causes of premature death. And once they did premature death, they mm. found that homicide and suicide were the, at that point, the top two and the epidemiologists are saying, wow, we didn't realize this. What can we do to prevent this? And so how I carried on with this after I learned about the ACE study was I kept reporting on it all. By that time, I'd started moving into management in news organizations. But then in um, 2009, when the research came out that People with ACE scores of six or higher are likely to die 20 years prematurely. And I thought, that is just astounding. And the rest Mm. of the world needs to know about this if we're ever going to solve our most intractable problems. So in 2012, I I said, all right, I'm going to do this on a wing and a prayer. And I started Pace's Mm. Connection and started seriously reporting on how people were using this knowledge and what they were doing to prevent the kind of childhood diversity that was identified in the A study. I love that this whole wow. thing just kind of emerged out of your own curiosity, not not out of like some grand vision, but just like, I'm going <laughs> to follow the next step and see what the next thing happens. I love that. That's really great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, kind of like traveling. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. <laughs> this is so yeah. true. It's the internal travel. Yes, you've said so many things that are so that match my experience and and sense and feelings about, in particular, this idea of conscious resilience. And the question, you know, the million dollar question that we've all asked ourselves, you know, like, why did one or the other child emerge out of the family? either seemingly untouched or or really thriving in some way while another child is completely succumbed to trauma. And then we have these cultural beliefs that, you know, every child in every family is raised exactly the same, which is my, my like, pet peeve. Like, no, 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 that's not true. That is, that is the furthest experience from the truth. But what we do know is that there are protective factors all the way through these stories. And sometimes, yes, all the children have different outcomes, which make it confusing because, oh yeah, this child participated in a homicide, but oh, this one's just misusing drugs and alcohol doesn't seem like as big a deal, but really to that person, it's a huge deal and impacts their life and the 
their the lives of their children and beyond. So I think that that is what's so great and awesome about Pace's connection. And I know for you, probably like me, we've been kind of in this world for decades, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the rest of the world is like, oh, we're, we're on board. <laughs> and so it's so validating. Do you experience that too? Like, I just feel like Every day I get to have a conversation about something that I have just been driven and interested in and passionate about for decades. And now it's here. Like, it's here. Tell us about how you feel about that. I think it's terrific. And I'm over the moon about it. Um, of course, I go to my my workaholic sort of approach, and which was my survival strategy. And I think we're not moving fast enough. I worry about that because of, well, first I want to say that uh, pace of science is apolitical. And, you know, there are, you'll find really good paces initiatives that are doing great work you know, from all different walks of life, all different parties, you know, it's like, for example, when Scott Walker was um, governor of Wisconsin, there was a a three-year, very strong three-year ACES initiative there that they trained all of the seven of the state agencies in becoming trauma-informed. I mean, it was just remarkable. So, it's it has nothing to do with politics. But it does have to do with people, I think, who have a lot of ACEs who are hurting themselves internally and they hurt others. And so I think that's what happened with Trump and a lot of the people who are gathered around him. I think they're hurting people and they're hurting people. And so I'm a little worried about that being leaders uh, about the election so that we elect leaders that are, are still doing that. And um, and so that's why I say I, I want to move a, a lot faster to push mm-hmm. us forward. And so people understand that this isn't politics. This is just being a human being. And, mm-hmm. and anybody who has uh, the things that happened to them as a child, it doesn't matter what your politics are. You're, if there's no resilience built in, there's going to be damage. And that mm, damage manifests itself in a lot of different ways. In any school of thought, right, you have the originators and you have the popularizers. And right now, it seems as if ACES is coming into more of that, the regular state of consciousness for most, for most people. You mentioned it becoming political, but are there any other things that you are perhaps a little afraid of that people will, I don't know if abuse is the right word, but abuse ACES? Or just use it in a way that's not intended? Anything like that? I see one thing happening that worries me, and we we try hard to uh, educate people about it, is there's when the whole trauma-informed movement started and the awareness started, and there are, there are a lot of companies that say, well, take this six-hour course or this two-day course, mm. and you'll be trauma-informed and you're all set. Well, <laughs> that doesn't work, you know? And if no. you, and there's a lot of training that goes on that doesn't even get into pace of science. And that's mm. the underlying piece of all this. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to do the things that you want to do. That's a big issue for us, is that it's great to do trauma-informed work, but first you have to do the, the mm. pace of science work. And what that actually means 
is that people have to do the work themselves for themselves first. And if they don't do that, they're and they keep doing this them, us, I know everything, and that person I'm going to heal because they don't know squat, that's that's not going to change mm. anything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jane, you are like singing my song, and I just am uh, so appreciative to hear it, you know, come out of your mouth because I feel so strongly about this. And I think that those of us who have been in this world for a very long time, recognize our own evolution. It doesn't matter how educated or trained you are. It doesn't matter. You still need a guide and a mentor and a qualified person to work with you, you know, to be able to walk through some of that old stuff because we're constantly changing how we understand our own trauma. Another thing that you said that I loved was the, and this is that political part too, like this is the blessing and the curse of social media and marketing. We have this ability to now blast information out there, but so does everybody else. So now we're blasting information about like, hey, one, two, three, you're trauma-informed. You know, it's kind of like everybody believes they're a trauma expert. And everybody believes they can just, you know, there's a reason why the Surgeon General in California said 30 years. You're not going to become a trauma-informed community in six months or even three mm. years. Like, let's just be real about it. There's no way that's going to happen. We That's why there's a 30-year generational plan. And and we're not going to start seeing the massive waves of difference until younger generations begin to take over leadership positions. So along those lines, Jane, I'm wondering, when is the line that they crossed? And they're like, oh, trauma-informed, not trauma-informed. I think there is some of that. I've done my own work, therefore I'm trauma-informed. Well, no, you're just an expert in your own trauma, not right. how to help others. So... How would you instruct people on, on, I guess, maybe resources or once you've reached this point, then you can feel informed, <laughs> I guess? Well, I think that a good way to think about it is that when you learn about pace of science and start your own journey to becoming trauma-informed and then however you're doing it in your community or, or your organization or whatever, it's, it's uh, a good way to think about it is you're actually going down a different path. Because it's if you do it well and you're open to it and you keep doing the work, it's just like you're going into a different country and you mm -hmm. have to learn a different language and you're going to be going down a different place that you never even thought about and you're going to see brand new connections and brand mm -hmm. new things and you're never going to go back to the other way. I've talked with organizations that were uh, pioneers in this arena and, you know, 12 years on. They say, we're still working on it, you know? We're still working on this. Because every time we learn something, it opens up yet another path. And, mm -hmm. um, and we have to do something more. So I think that yeah. that's very important. The other uh, generational piece, <laughs> you know, we, and I'm sure you experienced this, Kristen, when people started learning about that, it was like, oh, we can't really talk about this. 
you know, and, <laughs> and it's like, no, you've got to talk about it. You know, I'm old enough to remember when I was a kid that when people got cancer, they just disappeared. You didn't yep. talk mm. about it. You know, right. they were ostracized. Um, you know, if people saw them across the street, I mean, uh, coming down the street um, toward them, they, other people across, uh, across the road. I mean, it was awful. And now it's like, oh, right. everybody's wearing pink and having parades yeah. and, you know, it's, um, it's part of our lives. And so that's what we have to get. And mm. I think that the, the fastest way to do that is to actually educate the kids about this. You know, yes. and kids are, when you do educate them about it, and you can educate them in appropriate language, and, and a school in San Diego did this, uh, all the way down to third and fourth graders. No problem. They know how to talk about this. They experience it. They want to have words to put to yes. it. So if you give them the language and the guidance, it's like, let them, let them figure it out and let them figure it out because they're open to it. And they, uh, they will have a much different approach than the older adults who go, oh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about that. And, oh, you know, you're really going to hurt somebody if you tell them mm. about pace of science. Right. Like, mm, I yeah. don't think so. I'm curious, why, why do you think there is that generational difference between, like, let's just not talk about those things where my generation and younger is just like... It's just a thing. It's a thing that's happening. <laughs> what, what, what is that? I'm curious. I, I have no guess, actually, as to why that is. Well, Vincent Folletti, who's one of the co-founders of the, of the ACE study, says that it's, it is generational. And that generation that he did the ACE study on and, and down to, I would say, probably people in their 40s, at least I'm hearing that. It's like, well, you don't talk about sexual abuse. You don't talk about mm. physical abuse in your own family. You know, that's dirty laundry. You know, it's don't bring shame on the family. Uh, it's all those things that, you know, the younger generation will say, well, why can't you talk about it? <laughs> you know, mm. it, yeah. it's a real thing. It happens to mm. most people in the world. You know, why don't right. we address it and then, and then start figuring out how to not pass it on? What do we call the generation above baby boomers, the silent generation. Hmm. The goal was to support the group and any sort of negative, you know, information could collapse the whole structure and safety of the group. And then that they, of course, parent, you know, keeping the secret, the laws around sexual abuse within a family were not even in existence until the late 70s because sexual abuse in a family would have more trauma for the family hmm. than it would if we just, you know, let leave that alone as a family issue. So we've really socially, culturally, like allowed trauma to occur silently for for several generations because the belief was and now we have the science and the research in order to back up the opposite that it was better to maintain the family than it is hmm. to expose the perpetrator or the abuser or the traumatizer and really we can actually embrace that person in a loving way, but we also have to hold them accountable 
and mm. make sure that they are not continuing that behavior against another person. So mm. your your you know millennials coming up and and Gen Zs and then my little granddaughter the alphas oh lord have mercy <laughs> they're going to be like you know they're going to tell all stories so which is mm. so important every one of us have a story or mm-hmm. or or more <laughs> we have a right. lot of stories on your horizon right now of like what is the most pressing thing that you're working towards to to really get aces out there what i'm doing is we're actually starting a transition at paces connection i'm uh, training the the a new person to take over a ceo in Mm. january it's a woman named ingrid cochran who's just wonderful and we will be a, a black female led organization and I'm really um, thrilled about that uh, because already, I mean, she's been with Paces Connection for, I think, almost four years now, three and a half years. Mm. And she has brought so much depth to the organization. She's an expert in historical trauma and in, she teaches um, diversity and equity and uh, anti-racism. Mm. Um, but beyond that, she's, she's steeped in ACEs. And, mm. and also positive childhood experiences. And we're at a point where we're, we need to scale up, and she's going to lead that effort. I've been at the helm of uh, Paces Connection, or Aces Connection, then Paces Connection, for almost 10 years. So it's, it's time for new blood, for sure. And also mm-hmm. there are other things that I want to do that sort of take us to the next step. My strength is in starting things. And so the next thing I want to do is help communities Oh, and, and by the way, Paces Connection has more than 53,000 members now, and uh, wow. we have um, 435, something like that, communities that are um, wow. are around the world and um, are have their own Paces initiatives. So um, what I want to do is help them go to the next step, which is the initiatives that are ready can start figuring out how they're going to change their community governance structure so that it's uh, no more silos so that people work together and that's starting to happen with a few projects but i want to amplify that because that's also the only way that we're going to in this 30-year transition be able to achieve our goals that's so Mm -hmm. exciting though that you're that you're off on a new adventure to some degree i mean you're never gonna obviously let go but but integrating and really role modeling for organizations that change is healthy and it does like it's such a gift it doesn't mean we're we're letting go it just means we're bringing in that's what i think is so critical and very difficult for organizations to recognize the importance of bringing in and on a generational level, we talk about this a lot, is needing to do the sort of mentoring at some level of there's all this experience, but also there's all this new information up and coming. And so we have to find ways to integrate and pass the torch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost really like 
in so many ways, indigenous populations, it's gleaning the wisdom of the the elders and at the same time embracing the youthfulness of the up-and-coming generations. Wow, that's so exciting. I mean, and Jane, you're a pioneer in this history. There's no way that your your work will, you know, it's been transformative for the world. Like, there's just no way around it. I mean, 53,000 people, 400 plus, almost 500 communities globally impacted by your creation over a decade. So, kudos to you. Thank you. (laughs) Because we all benefit from that. So, Well, thank you for saying that, Kristen. And I'm so glad that you're part of Pace's Connection because, you know, the work you're doing really adds so much to that. And um, and we're very fortunate. So I appreciate that. The other thing I'm going to be doing is more writing because uh, that's a big hole. You know, part of a successful social movement is storytelling. And when I had time at the beginning of this, I actually did quite a bit of that, but I haven't had much time uh, in the last three years, except for, you know, now and then. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing more articles about the people and the organizations that are actually showing results and good outcomes, uh, because if if you can spread that word around faster, then then the movement grows even more. So that's good. Mm. When you say storytelling, what exactly are you thinking or brainstorming about? So, for example, when I first started out in uh, 2012, I did a story about Lincoln High School in Walla Walla, Washington, and about because they were the first trauma-informed school that I'd heard of. And hmm. so I did a deep dive into that, uh, into what they were doing, which, you know, in 2012 was just like so radical, so radical. Mm. I mean, the idea of, of not um, punishing, but instead saying, what happened to you and how can we help you? Yeah. <laughs> which seems so wow. logical now, but then it was like, I remember the principal, Jim Sporletter, telling me that when he learned about this and then the first time he implemented that approach with a kid, his heart was beating in his chest because he thought, <laughs> oh my God, I'm doing something really weird. And, you know, and the kid just responded, you know, just beautifully because, huh. you know, the kid was like really acting out and angry and, and Jim knew why when Jim went to talk with him, you know, talk with the principal, uh, Jim said, well, what happened to you? And the kid who was ready to fight him just melted. When, and started crying and saying, you know, my father beat up my mother last night and I've got, wow. and he was taken to jail. My kid, mother's in the hospital. I've got two little, got a sister and a brother and I've got to take care of them. I don't know what to do. And it's just, oh gosh, now I'm thinking think about it and I'm almost tearing up. But uh, when I did that story, the first wave were 300,000 people who said, I wish I had gone to a school like that. And then a couple months later, another 300,000 people discovered it. Well, it's had almost a million page views. And wow. it led to a wonderful uh, producer who um, unfortunately passed on recently, Jamie Redford, doing a, a documentary called Paper Tigers, which has just made such an impact in the trauma-informed schools movement. 
So it's that kind of thing that I want to continue to do. I have a list of about 60 stories <laughs> mm. uh, that, wow. um, that I'm uh, interested in doing. One recent one that I, I need to update is um, batter interventions courses. You can actually uh, reduce recidivism, which is about six, 30 to 60 percent, depending on the, on the course, to 1 percent. Hmm. Wow. By integrating pace of science. So it's like these nice. amazing things hmm. that can happen because people use this knowledge. Yeah. A two-part question. As you're looking back, what is the thing that you're most proud of that you didn't expect would come into being? And then as you're looking forward, what are you most excited about where Paces is going? So the thing I'm proudest about is, I guess it's... Um, there's so many things that I'm, I feel like I'm so fortunate that have happened with Pace's connection. But I think that the willingness to trust us to be a safe place and a trusted source so that people could be open about mm-hmm. their lives and their work and to encourage others. I mean, and combined with these, the amazing team, I've got 15 incredible people who work with me and I'm so fortunate to have them. Um, because Pace's connection wouldn't be what it is without them or without the the people who have joined the movement. So I'm really proud of that. I mean, yeah. what I always what I always love as, as being a journalist is that you provide new information to people and then they go they run with it. And that's sort of what's happened here. Mm. And it's not about me. It's just I'm the I'm the person who sort of, you know, am the like the big megaphone, <laughs> you know, look at this, <laughs> this is, this is really important. And then, mm. and then people discover it on them, uh, on their own and they, they run with it. That's great. And going forward, well, I'm looking forward to more storytelling for sure. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, the next step with communities. Like how mm-hmm. do you cement this into a community that will carry on for generations that we're Mm -hmm. actually jumping that track as I'm saying, you know, before that a new path forward, because, you know, I forget who said Einstein or something. If you, if you, if you're doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result, you know, that's insanity. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. I believe that. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Well, I wanted to say as the delusional optimist, um, that I absolutely, and I struggle with this off and on all the time, which is that, you know, we have to do all these things to change what's coming down the pike in terms of understanding trauma and ACEs science and implementing it and becoming different in the way we are as a society and in families and communities and as individuals even. And at the same time, what I've also really, what I believe and what I've learned about generational differences are that we've really done some of the work already by, I mean, because I look at Seth every every day and I think, okay, he's a millennial. I'm the mother of two millennials and an alpha generation. And I know lots of these these young people coming up, they don't know how much they know yet. And yet they're on the brink of being what? The parents, 
the parents who talk to schools, they're the school board, they're coming up as our political leaders, our boards of supervisors, our city council people. And this to a Seth, he doesn't need me to teach him anything. He's learning it himself. He might come to me occasionally and say, hey, what about this or what about that? Mm -hmm. But I'm learning from him too. And I think that's one of the things that I love so much about. And it keeps me, it keeps me optimistic when I can sometimes get really rattled with everybody thinks they're an expert on trauma because they did a six hour class or a one hour class. Let's get down to a one hour class because I know that as a parent, as a teacher, as an advocate, and as I talk to people and my children and younger generations about this and made it okay for them to talk about trauma. And mm. we've made it in so many ways accidentally okay. Like it it runs through the the unconscious, unspoken messages that, you know what? Yeah, you don't have to keep that a secret anymore. You mm -hmm. are totally allowed to talk about it. So I think yeah. that's that's my little delusional optimism pitch. <laughs> I don't think we can just stop. But it does keep me going in the background that a lot of work is happening without every single T needing to be crossed and I needing to mm. be dotted. That mm -hmm. it's happening exponentially without us needing to do every single step. Jane, as we're closing up here, how can people follow you and, and connect, I guess, with Paces? But then as you're moving away from Paces, how do they stay in contact and so they can read your stories and all that other stuff? Well, everything will be on Paces Connection and on Ace okay. Too High, which is uh, the site for the general public. I, you know, I, I won't be in the day-to-day -day operations for Paces mm -hmm. Connection, but I'll still be accessible there. And I encourage everybody to join Paces Connection if they haven't. You know, if they're interested in doing something for themselves or their community, because there's a lot of resources there for for different stages of your life and for different areas of your work. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing, and uh, really, really excited and honored to have you on. So, yes, well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I really, I appreciate and know how busy you are, and it's so important for people to hear directly from leaders and people who have influence because then they know they can believe the information. And so you you are a, you are a perfect stellar example of that. You you practice what you preach and it's in a very concrete, you know, it's in Pace's connection. It's in your work. And so I totally look forward to your your up and coming storytelling adventures as well. So thank you so much, Jane, for being with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a real honor. So I appreciate Good. it. And really right. great to meet you both. And uh, Seth, you keep charging around the around the world. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. 
If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life print. All content on delusional optimism is for informational and educational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship. A patient-client relationship is only formed through a written contractual agreement. If you need medical or mental health care advice, you should consult your doctor or therapist or go to your nearest hospital.